Listen, today, um, I'm going to be dealing with a subject, and I hope that um, your, the, your minds and hearts are open. Um, I'm going to be dealing with a subject that probably is not talked about a whole lot in church, and um, it's really dealing with the winning the battlefield of the mind and what we've been on for the last few weeks, and... and um, I'm really excited about this because I believe that if we can learn to walk in complete deliverance, then we can learn to walk in complete freedom. Oftentimes we talk about he who the sun sets free is but then we don't walk in the freedom because we're still not walking in complete deliverance and, and, and knowing that we can live a supernatural and a winning life, a victorious life. So I, I just want to start today by saying, let's just laugh at the devil, because we're the winners and he's the loser. Yeah. Can I get a better amen? Yeah. yeah. We, we need to learn how to laugh at the enemy. And um, when he comes in, we just laugh. We just laugh. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Sometimes resisting the devil is just learn how to laugh at the devil. Just like, you are so stupid. And just laugh at him. And uh, knowing that we are the winners and we're the victor. One of my favorite people in Scripture is David. Now, David lived kind of in a crazy world. You know, he's a young man. He's uh, in the fields, and he was uh, just loving God and, and doing his thing for the Lord and learned how to worship. He learned how to worship in the field uh, away from everybody else, away from, from all the things around him. It's a real important tool. Uh, we sing the song today, This Is How I Fight My Battles. Learning to worship is probably a key, the number one key element in overcoming and living in a victorious life. And uh, some of you may say, well, I can't sing a note. Worship is not about what you sing. It's a, it's a heart issue, right. you know. I love driving down the road when nobody's listening, and I just make up my own songs, you know. Cars are really good acoustics. You can get in the car and shut the doors. Nobody can hear you. And, uh, and just singing praises to God. And I just get a tune in my head and just start lifting up the name of Jesus. And the Lord loves my worship. He loves my song. Uh, he may not be, uh, others may not be crazy about my voice, but the Lord's crazy about my voice. He just loves it. And then having the heart of worship, man. We talked about giving today. It's the heart of worship, not just giving money, but giving of yourself and just living in a place of worship. And David understood this. And so it was, in the, it was in the backfields keeping sheep that David got to experience how it was to worship. The Bible said he learned to skillfully play the harp. Everybody say skillfully play. So it's important that we give our very best to God. He learned how to skillfully play the harp. And he was playing the harp when the bear and the lion came out and they was going to take the sheep. And, and he just slaughtered them with his bare hands. Now we know that David had an understanding that he wasn't killing the lamb I mean, he wasn't killing the sheep or <laughs> sheep. I'm sure he was trying to kill that sheep. He wasn't killing the bear or the lion. It was the Lord because he had this place of worship, even though the Lord used him. So now we come to the story in Samuel, First uh, Samuel, the 17th chapter, and David's going out to fight uh, the uh, giant Goliath, and his brothers are like, "Hey, dude, just go home. You know, you you're not equipped for this battle." You need to go on to the house and, and go back where you came from. But David had it in his heart to go out and slay this giant. Um, and David was not fearful. He, he went straight into the battle. 
he goes down and he, they try to put Saul's armor on him. They tried to equip him. They did all these things that were just weights to David's life because he knew that it wasn't in the things of, of the world. He knew where his strength come from. And so he goes down, he picks up five stones, and he has a little slingshot. And he goes out to fight this huge giant who's defying the armies of the living God. And the giant's talking about, I'm going to slaughter you. I'm going to do all this and do all that. And I'm going to take you out. And why you send this little boy out to fight me? And so the scripture picks up in 1746 and says, This day the Lord will deliver you. This is David talking back to the giant. Unto my hands. And I will strike you down, cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And all the earth. He's like, throwing it down and I could just see David you know out there saying this and and it wasn't though like some little cocky dude that was you know trying to show off he wasn't like hey man I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna David was saying with confidence from a very a place of understanding I have confidence that I'm gonna take you out why and the scripture goes on to explain what he said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly, everybody watching, may know that the Lord saves, not by the sword or the spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into our hands. And I want you to say this with me this morning. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give it into my hands. The battle is the Lord's. And oftentimes we're battling with things, we're fighting with things and we're trying to battle this within our own heart, our own mind, our own ability, our own strength. But today, I want you to understand that like David, when we have the heart of worship, he, uh, he, the battle belongs to the Lord, and the Lord will give it into our hands. If we look further in Scripture, uh, the crowd begins to sing, David, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. What, what happened, the, David rose up and he knew that God was on his side and there was nothing that could stop him, that, that he was a victor, that he was a winner. So he's like, bring it all on because I know where my strength comes from and I'm ready for battle. So David was aware that it was not him that was going to win, but it was the Lord who would go before him, fight his battles, and he would be the victor. So we're fighting in a war, and we as children of God have been declared as winners in the courts of heaven. I want you to understand that. Already in the courts of heaven, God has declared you as children of God as winners. Now, you can go ahead and laugh at the devil right now, because you're a winner. You can go ahead and let the devil know that, hey, listen, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, because the courts of heaven, God Almighty has already declared that I am a winner. And that God is for me. So there are three things that I want to bring up today that I want to talk about. Number one is can you be born again believer and still be oppressed by the enemy? And the answer to that is yes. You can be a born again believer, a child of God, and still have oppression from the enemy. So what does it feel like? Uh, so, so why does it feel like at times we're losing? So why does it feel like sometimes in this battle that we feel like we're losing? And how do we win and live a victorious life? So there are times in our life where we can say, why does it feel like I'm losing? Have you ever felt that way? Like, I'm in this, 
I'm believing, but I feel like I'm losing. I'm losing ground, and the enemy's coming in, and he's taking advantage of me. And why does it feel that way? And how do we win and live a victorious life? So we must, the thing we must do first is expose the lies of the enemy. The first thing is to call him what he is and say, and like Jesus did. In John 8, Jesus was speaking. He said, you're the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the one who is the true prince, for he is full of nothing but lies, lying, and his, lying is his native tongue. He is the master of deception, and he is the father of lies. I want to just go ahead and expose the enemy today. He is the master of deception, and he is the father of lies. So if the devil's mouth is moving, he's lying. If the devil's speaking to you, he's lying. He has no truth that he's ever going to speak into your life that doesn't have a lie attached to it. We go back to the Garden of Eden. Satan, the serpent, he told a little bit of the truth. He told a little bit of the truth. But he twisted that truth, and really it was a lie. So the enemy sometimes will give you enough truth to get your attention, but be careful because he's the master of deception, and he's going to twist that truth because he is the liar and he's the father of lies. So we have to expose the enemy right from the get-go and know that Satan is a liar and there's nothing that's good coming out of his mouth. As we've already said as we went through this series that Satan has no authority over our life. He is defeated, and he knows that even more than we know it. I want to say that to you again. Satan already knows he's defeated. He's more aware of his defeat than you are. He's more aware that he's where he's going. And let me tell you something. We need to remind Satan every chance we get where he's going and where we're going. We need to let him know that, hey, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm going to be singing with a heavenly host while you're burning in hell for eternity. The scripture tells us that hell was created for the devil and his angels. That hell was not created for us. So we, we know that God's created this place for us that, that's perfect and this peace that's perfect. And so, so the enemy knows this. And so we need to remind him often where he's going and where we're going. So he enters through the door of lies he enters through the door of deception. He enters through the door of in, uh, intimidating us. So as he enters, sometimes we don't understand this, but it's, we leave an invitation. It's not an intentional invitation, but it's like leaving the door open and allowing things to come into our life. How many ever been camping or you've been in a cabin in the woods or you've been someplace like that? And, and when you're there, you know that I need to close the door. Have you ever been to Gatlinburg and they got signs on the walls? Close the door, lock the garbage away, because guess what? If you leave an invitation, the bears are coming. If you leave your door open and leave food on the table, you're going to wake up to a bear. Now, you all go to Gatlinburg to see a bear, but you don't want to see them in your living room. Can I get a better amen? 
And so there's an invitation because sometimes we're not paying attention to the doors that we're leaving open. We're not paying attention to the things that we're leaving out. And sometimes we leave our garbage out and we let the devil have a heyday with our life and he comes through the door of invitation. So we need to be aware and stand guard of the fiery darts that the enemy wants to to shoot at us and we need to learn how to leave not leave the invitation open but close the door and and so that he doesn't take up residence in our mind and in our heart oftentimes we go back and we leave things open we leave these little deceptions open we leave these little places in our life open and the enemy cannot come in and destroy us spiritually but he enters in through our soul and he enters in through our flesh and that's why a person can be a child of God, be born again, and still be oppressed by the enemy. Because although he can't steal our salvation, he can come and oppress us through our flesh and through our soul. So we have to shut the door to those things and say, you're not allowed in my life. All right, can I get a better amen this morning? So Satan wants to just walk into our lives through those open doors through things like fear and unforgiveness and envy and strife and bitterness. I want to tell you something this morning. You have to close the door to fear. Fear is one of the greatest strongholds of the enemy. He wants us to be intimidated and live in a place of fear. And, you know, I've been around people that are supposedly child of God, but the sky is always falling. Things are always bad. Nothing is ever good because the enemy continually continues to intimidate them he continues to push down on them listen we need to get a little spiritual backbone in us and say hey i'm not going to fear the enemy for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and enemy you got to get out of my life i'm shutting the door on fear i'm not going to live from that place of fear I'm not going to live from a place of unforgiveness. Listen, everybody in this room, there's no person, there's nobody in this room who is sitting here today that has at some point not been done wrong. We've all been done wrong. And, and there's these places in our life that we have to be careful with that we don't let those, that, that begin to take stronghold in our life. We have to say to the enemy, I'm not serving the people around me. I'm serving God above me, and he is faithful, and he's never, for, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He is faithful. He is good all the way to the end. And so I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to release people out of my life. And when I, when I stand, look, let me tell you something. There's nothing more important than this. When people offend you, when people hurt you, when people do you wrong, I want you to learn to do this. I want you to take a stand right then and in your heart say, I forgive them. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus said, forgive them. Forgive them, Lord, for they, they know not what they do. You know, sometimes we carry it around an offense or a hurt that's in our life when people didn't even realize they offended us. They didn't even realize they hurt us. And so the enemy then jumps through that door, and he starts putting all of this stuff and all of these lies on us, and he takes what was a little bit of offense, and then he begins to just beat you up. I want to say this today. I feel this so strongly in the spirit today. It's, you got to be very careful, too, because sometimes the enemy does not have to beat you up because you've taken on that, and you beat your own self up. I've told people many a times, listen, you don't have to worry about the devil. The devil's gone on to torment somebody else. You do a good job all by yourself. 
You do a good job of putting yourself down. You do a good job of saying how sorry and no good and rotten you are. And the enemy's laughing at your calamity. You need to say, listen, I may be down today, but I'm getting up tomorrow because greater is he that is in me. I am not what the world says I am. I am who God says I am, and I'm going to live the way God called me to live. Let's give God a shout of praise in this house this morning. There's a lot of sickness, there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of things brought on simply because we won't forgive and because we carry envy and we carry bitterness and we carry hurt in our heart. I want you to hear me today. I know what it is to be hurt. I know what it is when I was a young man, I was very young, and I tell this story today to help somebody. When I was a young man, I was, I, I was raised in church, but I was being molested by my uncle and it was hurtful. It was painful, and it was sad, and it did a whole lot of things in my life. I could go on and tell you stories of the repercussions of that, but that's not the point today. There had to come a time in my life where I had to forgive him, where I had to say, listen, I'm not going to let what's been done to me become the God in me. I'm not going to let it control me. I'm not going to let that past always dictate where my future is going i've got to say god it was painful god it was hurtful god it's it's beyond my imagination why a person would do this kind of thing but lord i'm going to release this to you because i was born to be free i was born to to do the things that god's called me to do and this is only oppressing me it's not really hurting anybody else but me it's not really causing damage to anybody else but me but it's hurting me and therefore because i was hurt i hurt people so there's an after effect when, you get, when these things happen to you. It's so important that you understand that you can walk into freedom and you can shut the door on that by simply living in a place to forgive people when they hurt you. Go ahead and forgive them. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what's been done to me. Listen, my story and your story and everybody else's story is always worse than everybody else's story. And I don't mean this to be rude today. I don't want to hurt your feelings. But some things in life we need to get over. Let me get up here so I can see you a little better. Some things in life, we need to make a decision that I'm not going to let that control my life. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to move beyond it. I'm going to change the way I think. I'm not going to let this thing go throughout my life and destroy me. So I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Now, I'm going to say something here that people have a lot of problem with. You need not only forget, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life so you can forgive so that you can also forget you see i believe this some people don't agree with me but i'm right that there's an erase button in the holy ghost and that you can erase some things in your life now you may not forget when it happened you may not forget the things that but you forget the pain because god begins to heal the heart you begin to walk beyond those pains and you begin to live in a place of freedom and so, you know, it was, it's, your, it's, it's God's great delight to set you in the place of freedom so that you don't live in the pain of yesterday and you erase those things from your life. I was telling somebody after second serv- uh, first service, do you, how many remember those little recording uh, cassette recorders? Only the old people remember them. So raise your hand if you're old. You remember those little cassette recorders? It had a little button on there called erase. Do y'all remember those? And you could erase that. We need to erase something. We need to go and erase it. Just let it be erased. 
Let it just say, that's my path. I'm over it. I'm moving on. Now, I know that that's good preaching, and it sounds real simple, and I understand that there's a process. And thank God we have a process that we can help you with in this house, but there has to be some things that have to be broken in our life. And so sick, this, this, this thing brings sickness and oppression and depression and pain and sorrow in our life. And we say, God, I'm going to loose this out of my life. We all have generational curses in our life. There's nobody here today that has not experienced some type of generational curse. I don't have time to preach all that today. But I, I just want to tell you that you can, the blood of Jesus breaks off the generational curse. Yeah. The sins of my mom, dad, and those before me can be broken off. I don't have to live in that. I don't have to hold on to that. I don't have to say, well, daddy and mama and grandpa and grandma. No, I'm breaking it off by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to walk in freedom. You know why? Because I got these five beautiful girls that I want to walk in freedom. So I'm breaking off generational curses, and I'm setting generations free. Oh, man, I feel like preaching for just a little bit. If we're going to believe in generational curses, then we need to believe in generational blessings. So we break the curse off, and we bless the next generation. We break the lie off, and we give the next generation truth. And we see that thing that we had to struggle with, they don't have to struggle with, and we begin to walk in this freedom. That's a good word right there. That's a good word. So I look around me today, you turn on the TV, you watch on the uh, media and all these things on our social networks and all these things, all of this hatred in the world today, all this hatred, racism and fighting and bigotry and ugliness. And I know that, you know what I believe? I believe God's about to do something so powerful. He's about to do something so extreme in America, especially. And the enemy knows that. And the enemy's fighting against us every single day. And we need to take hold of that. You know, the last place that ought to be segregated is the house of God. Man, my goodness. You know, the the house, and I'm glad our church is not that way. But I'm going to tell you something. There needs to be more. There needs to be more that that we don't have segregation in the house of God. But let me take it a step further. We need a spirit of unity in the body of Christ. We got the Baptist, the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Pentecostals, the, you know, and I really love my favorite one is that those that are just non-denominational because they're not religious, right? Yeah. (laughs) Because we could take on a brand and it becomes who we are instead of taking on the purpose of Christ. And then we separate and we move. And the enemy knows. You know why the enemy wants us separated? <laughs> now, I know some people are going to disagree with me. You know, I, honestly, we don't have a racial problem. What we have is a hate problem. And the enemy wants to sow hate and discord in our lives. Because why? Because he knows if one can put 1,000 to flight, uh-oh, two can put 10,000 to flight. And if we ever break the backbone of the, those racial divides and those religious divides, and we get this religious spirit, my church is right, and I don't know about the one down the road, and bless God, we, we're the truth. We just preach the truth, and them other ones don't. Oh, Lord, we get to judging, and we get to separating, and the enemy's like, yay. I win. I win. Because you have the best church in your own mind. And you don't no longer a part of the body of Christ because you've separated and the enemy takes a stronghold and we left the door open and we put garbage on the table and the bear standing in our living room. Yeah. 
I know this is not a popular sermon because we just want to hear more, Lord, more. Come on. But before we can have the more, we got to get rid of the junk out of our life. So he, has, he does not have access to our spirit because that belongs to God. And it is sealed with the blood of Jesus. Our spirit is sealed with the blood of Jesus. But we don't need to give him access to our soul. And we don't need to give him access to our flesh and to our mind. And we need to learn to stand in opposition to that. So we cannot be possessed because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But we can be oppressed and we still need to be delivered and set free from the lies and the deception so that we can walk in complete freedom in the Lord. In the story of Lazarus, he'd come out of the tomb. And uh, he was, you know, the scripture said that Jesus called Lazarus forth and he come out of the tomb. And, and although he was resurrected from his past, his dead life, he was still in grave clothes. And Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, loose them and set them free. Turn him loose. Let him go. Sometimes in life, we need to learn that we have to take off the old gray clothes of our past. And sometimes it takes a little help to do so. Sometimes we need other people's help to, to remind us, hey, listen, your past is your past. And God's goodness is upon your life. And we need to be loosed so that we can run free and so that we can run wild in the spirit. This week, we heard this terrible story. or read the story of a young pastor of a vibrant church in California who took his life. The week prior, can you put that picture up for me, please? The week prior to him preaching a great message as well as announcing the upcoming vision meeting for their church, he, he had just talked about how great God was and what God was going to do and the great vision that they had. And, and he had just come off a month long of sabbatical where he had been battling and fighting for for his life he had depression anxiety and stress had overtaken him and uh, even his wife did not understand the magnitude of this she, she wrote a little uh, information back she says I'm sorry I did not understand how bad this really was but the one thing is I read the story because my heart went out to this family and I, I was just praying for this family just every day this week I I prayed for this family. I prayed for this church body. I prayed for those people connected. I prayed for his mom. I prayed for, the, you know, those three little boys. And, and this Lord, just bless them, God. Bless them in this tragic situation. And listen, I have no, no ill words to speak about this man at all. But we, we must understand that it's not everyone or all of us deals with the same level but we all deal with these things in our life and as I thought about this young man I thought about this could very well have happened to me because in 2010 I went through the deepest darkest place of my life I went through this place of deep depression I went through this place of deep I mean, I didn't believe in depression. Some of y'all have heard the story before. I didn't believe, I thought people that were depressed uh, were just people that needed Jesus and they didn't pray and they didn't read their Bible and, and they just didn't have a relationship with God. They could pretend they did, but they didn't if they were depressed because children of God don't get depressed. Well, listen, I was praying every day. I was beyond prayer. I was begging 
I, I, was, I was in a place where I didn't even understand myself, but I felt like the whole world had turned their back on me. And I read the story about this young man. He didn't want to go get help because he didn't want his church family to know what he was going through. He was battling this thing and he tried to keep it under wraps and he tried to keep it on the down low because he didn't want people to think that if he exposed his, where he was at, that people would think you're rotten sinner, you're no good, you're not good enough. Let me tell you something, that's another lie of the enemy. And we're not created to walk through this stuff alone. We've got to turn for some help. And I'm going to tell you today, the reason I'm standing here today preaching this message to you and living a life of abundance and freedom is because I had some men in my life, my father, my dad, and Bishop Tenney, and, and, and Prophet Smith, and, and Tim Bro and Lane Nelson in my life. And, they, and even though I remember Tim pulling up in the churchyard out here one day and asked me how I was doing. And, I, and to be honest with you, I'm just going to be transparent. I gave him a good little cuss word and told him he didn't give a blank how I was doing. Because that's where I was at. I was hurting on the inside. The darkness had overshadowed me. But you know what? I thank God for Tim Burrow because he didn't just say, he didn't just drive off and say, well, my God, that was my pastor. He said, that was my friend, and he loved me, and he walked me through it, and, and him and Pastor Lane would get me and take me to lunch, and they would encourage me in the Lord, and they would say, hey, you're going to make it, Pastor. Hang in there. I'd get so mad at God because I, could, I couldn't hear from God, and, and I'd call these elders in my life, and they'd, they'd email me a message to preach. Oh, I know, y'all getting all weird now because Pastor had somebody send him a message. He didn't hear from God. I didn't hear from God for 13 months. I didn't hear a crack. And I'd preach on Sunday, and the anointing would come on me, and I'd preach the message, and people's life would be changed. And I'd go home and cry myself to sleep, and I'd say, God, just take me out. And, and you're going to laugh at this. I'd say, my wife is young and beautiful. She can get a better man. <laughs> the church would be better off without me. The world would be better off without me. I had believed the lies of the enemy, and I was walking through the darkness. But thank God. I had people around me. Thank God. I, there's one thing that I had submitted to God in my early ministry that I would stay submitted to these men in my life. And I stayed submitted to them. Let me tell you something. There's sometimes in our life we need people in our life who are going to speak truth to us that's going to overcome what the enemy is speaking. And don't ever get yourself isolated alone. Because if you ever get to that place that you're isolated and alone, there's, the enemy's got you trapped. The enemy's got you trapped. And so my heart went out to this young man this week. My heart went out to this family. And I thought, except for the grace of God, except for the goodness of God, I have no criticism about this young man. All I can say is God bless that family. God touched that family. Because except for the grace of God, there go I. Mm -hmm. Now, I was already planning to preach this message this week before I got all this information. But I want to tell you something today. God's got you. You may be walking through some difficult times, but he's got you. You may not can hear from God clearly as you want to hear from God, but when you've done everything that you can do, stand. 
Stand and trust in God and see the salvation of the Lord. And there's two battles that we got to fight because sometimes God says, and the violent take it by force. There's a time to pull out a sword and there's a time to go to war. And sometimes we don't have the strength to go to war and we don't know which way to go, but we know how to stand in the promises of God. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. Put people around you that can speak and pray and plead the blood of Calvary over your life. Come on, somebody. And though in this house we have things like Sozo and we have inner healing times and we have all of these things because we believe that God wants people to walk in deliverance, in complete deliverance. So Christ has come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us life of dancing and shouting in abundance. The Bible says the demons come, they come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Lies. Untruths. You see, the enemy wants to come in and divide your marriage. I'm not being critical again today. Some of you have walked through some terrible, ugly divorces. And we can get our attention on the person that we were in that relationship with. And that could become our focus. And we could forget that it was the enemy. And he ain't going to back down. He's not going to back up. And we have to stand guard. And we have to prepare ourselves. And we have to say, never again. And I'm going to take back what Satan has stole from me. Because I belong to the Lord. And I'm going to live in the goodness of God. We'll never know what it means to be free unless we're willing to be delivered. I'm just going to pause right here because I, I know this is going to be a, this is, I just want to say this. It's okay to say, look, I'm in a battle with the enemy. It's okay to understand that the demonic strongholds of hell will attack you. As long as you know that they don't win. That you're the victor. And that you're going to come out on the other side. And they have no place in your life. Sometimes us church folks, we get all spiritual. Like, well, we got saved, so, you know... Ain't no devils around us. Let me tell you something. The devil goes to church. Well, it's quiet in here this morning. Because <laughs> he never quits. He never backs up. And he's after. He's after you. He wants to destroy you. We can live in fear of the devil and miss the whole thing. Because here, let me help you understand something. The devil's itty bitty. That's why he's the deceiver and the liar. Because if he had power over your life, you would already be dead and in hell. But he don't have any power over your life. He don't have any authority over your life. And the devil's itty bitty and God's great big. 
2 Corinthians 10. It says, For although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defense behind which people hide. We can abolish, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that, op that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defense of the true knowledge of God. We capture like a prisoner of war every thought. <laughs> That's where it begins, right there. We capture like a prisoner of war every thought that insists that it bow to the obedience of the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. I want to talk to you this morning. Listen to me about obedience. I want you to hear me. I want everybody to hear me. Look at me. Look at my eyes. I wish I could look at all your eyes at the same time. Obedience is the key to breakthrough. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I love Francis Chan when he said, he said, uh, his daughter, he told his daughter to clean her room, and she came down, and she said, he said, baby, did you clean your room? She says, I cleaned it in my heart. <laughs> that wouldn't go over very well at my house. <laughs> but that's how we do God sometimes. Well, in my heart, God, but God's saying, I want you to be obedient. Yeah. Delayed disobedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We have to live in obedience. That's why the scripture tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We have to learn to work out our salvation, work out our walk with God with fear and trembling. Because there's going to be some things that God's going to put in your life that, are out, that you have to do out of obedience. And nobody can do that for you. You have to do it. And so when he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, I can't hang my hat on Pastor Marvin. I can't hang my hat on this. I've got to know what God has called me to do, and I've got to walk in the obedience of God. And you know what? When we start walking in obedience, we begin to destroy the very works of the enemy. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, and when he will, then we raise up a standard against him because there's a knowledge of God that's in us that strikes down every imagination and every stronghold that comes against the very knowledge of God. Are you with me this morning? It takes those things that are untrue and it smashes them down. And no weapon formed against us shall prosper. I'm just about done. Give me 10 more minutes. Ephesians says this. Now, my beloved ones, worship team, you can come. I have saved these most important truths for the last. Be supernaturally infused with the strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing through you. Next week, I'm going to talk about putting on the whole armor of God. But I'm just going to tell you today, you can't separate me from the love of God. Romans 8 says nothing. Nothing, Daddy, can separate us from the love of God. Death, nor life, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate me 
from the love of God. God's going to love me no matter what I do. I know the scripture says, because of our sin, there's a great gulf between us. And let me help you understand that. Because of sin, we separate from God. We move away from God, but God's love never moves away from us. That's a big difference, okay? That's a big, we're, we're pushing out on, oh God, I don't deserve your love. Oh God, because of my sin and my guilt and my shame, I move away from God. But God's love never moves away from me. He said, if I make my bed in, in hell, he's going to be there. You can't get away from this love. You can't get away from his grace. The Bible says no man can pluck you out of the Father's hand. No situation can, can stop your relationship with God. No, no dilemma in your life has the power to separate you from his goodness. Remember Matthew? His love has got a hold of us. Come on. And you can try to fight it off, but it ain't, he, you can't get rid of it. It's just got to hold. Oh, 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 where are you going? His goodness and his mercy is going to follow us. He's going to hold on to us. Oh, you're not going nowhere. Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. Come back here. I got you. I got you. You can run, but you can't hide. My love has got a hold of you. I'm going to make you submit to this love. I'm going to... I love you. You can't stop me. I got you. But, but God, I don't deserve your love. I know you don't deserve it. It's not about what you deserve. My grace is sufficient for you. My goodness. I'm following you. I'm like a hound dog. You can't run away from me. I remember when I was strung out on drugs on my third day of an acid trip. I was sitting on the front porch. A little African-American lady that lived next door to me began to sing and worship God. And I'm like, really, God? <laughs> really? Really? You're going to have your whole... Seven or eight kids you got over there singing to Jesus, and I'm trying to just be high. He's like, uh-uh. Well, I got you. I'm going to love you. I remember being in a bar. I remember being in a bar, and I'm trying to run away from God. But God comes sit on the bar stool beside me, and he just started telling me how much he loved me through a person that I thought didn't even know me. God, I, I don't deserve your love. You're right. You don't. But my grace is sufficient. I'm walking through the worst storm of my life. It's okay. I'm walking with you. The enemy's tried to destroy me. It's all right. He has no power over you. He has no authority over you. My love is greater than everything he's got. You're good. You're faithful, God. I'm a dirt bag. I'm no good. Quit believing those lies. 
You are who God says you are. His love can never, will never leave you. You're a good hugger, Matt. <laughs> his, good one, his love is always faithful. We have to go to the Lord and say, deliver me, set me free. God, I take all of this oppression and the lies of the enemy, and I say, get behind me, Satan. Next week, I'm going to talk about putting on the whole armor of God and living in the place of the offense and not the defense, but walking this out. Because we're winners. We're not losers. Stand with me this morning. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head this morning.